I love having the most talented music in all the North County, all of San Diego. Uh, Tim and the team have just done such a wonderful job this year, and I'm so excited about how God is going to use them next year in the music here at the church. Well, this morning, being that it's the Sunday after Christmas, and uh, always the Sunday after Christmas, there can tend to be a little bit lower crowd. I know we only had one service today, but I made a decision, uh, something I learned from my pastor growing up. Whenever there's a down week in attendance or a down week because of holiday season, you preach the greatest message of your life on those weeks. Uh, you give your absolute best. Because a lot of pastors, you know, knowing that could be a down week, would sometimes tend to slack off that week. And, and maybe just, uh, uh, you know, just warm up something, you know, microwave a message from the past. But I really wanted to prepare the best message uh, of the year today. It's, it's somewhat of a prophetic message. It's preparing us, getting us set and ready for the following year. It's a message of inspiration. It's a message of challenge. But I really wanted to do something this morning for those of you that are here that was something special to end the year by. And so we're going to be talking about potential today. Uh, you know, demographic experts say that right now there are close to 6 billion people on planet Earth. Six billion people right now on planet Earth. Uh, they say that we're pushing right now. 94,000 people were born yesterday. Christmas Day, 94,000 people were born throughout the world. And do you know the amazing thing about this is not one single person has the same DNA or the same fingerprints as another person. God has produced in you an individual that cannot be duplicated. That means this morning there will never be another you. Some of you are looking at your neighbor saying, thank God for that. See, listen, if two of you were identical, then one of you would be unnecessary. And why did God do this? Because God is teaching us the principle of scarcity. See, economists, they tell us that the value of something is determined by how rare it is. I mean, no, gold is very valuable because gold is a rare commodity. Diamonds are valuable because diamonds are very rare. I mean, no, concrete is not valuable. You can find it anywhere. Nobody after church today is digging up the parking lot, taking chunks of it home in their pocket. But I guarantee if we paved our parking lot in gold, it would be dirt by tomorrow. See, economists want to tell us that the value of something is determined by how rare it is. Well, God has made you unique. God has made you irreplaceable. Why? Because God doesn't want you to lose your value. You are a one of a kind. There will never be another you. That is how valuable, that is how rare you are. You have to recognize this morning how incredible each and every one of you are. You have to recognize today how precious and how valuable you are. And I read some shocking statistics the other day. You know, suicide is the third most common death among 15 to 23-year-olds in the world today. Last year alone, there were 30,000 deaths to suicide, more than all of the total homicides in America. Why? Because people felt hopeless. They felt like they didn't have any value. They felt like they were 
worthless. But the reality is you got to realize how valuable you are. How valuable are you? Easy. The price God paid to buy you back. Look at 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 18 and 19 with me. 1 Peter 1, verse 18 and 19. The Bible says, knowing that you are not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers. God did not redeem you. God did not purchase you. God did not buy you back with silver or gold. Those are corruptible things. Those are things of earth that will pass away. But the Bible says in verse 19, but with the precious blood of Christ as a lamb without blemish and without spot. How valuable are you the price god paid to buy you back what price you see you have to understand something this morning jesus did not die to make you valuable jesus died to prove your value jesus died to prove your worth to him you were worth the death of god that's amazing Think about that just for a moment. On your worst day, on the day you committed that sin, you didn't think you could ever be forgiven for, that that secret, that, that thing that you've carried around your whole life. On the day that you were the dirtiest, the darkest, the filthiest, the day that you felt like God would never receive you, God would never love you, God could never love you, on that day you were still worth the death of God. That's powerful. See, you should never talk about yourself being worthless. You should never talk about yourself as not having value. Now, let me ask you another question this morning. Do you know where the wealthiest place in the world is today? The wealthiest place in the world. It's not the oil fields of the Middle East. It's not the diamond and the gold mines of Africa. Do you know where the wealthiest place in the world today is? It's our cemeteries. It's our graveyards. Why? Because buried in those graveyards are books that were never written. Dreams that were never achieved. Ideas that never happened. Visions that were never fulfilled. Songs that were never sung. People died with the awesome power of God's potential buried in the ground. And that's what you call the wealth buried in those graveyards, the wealth buried in those cemeteries, potential. But let me ask you this morning, what is potential? What is it? Well, it's untapped power, dormant ability, unused strength, hidden power, unused success, undiscovered wealth. Potential means power that is not being used yet. So think about this. God is a God of potential. That means God hides power. It exists, but it is hidden. God hides it. So if potential is that which is not seen, then potential is who you really are, and nobody knows it yet. Potential is what you can really do, but you haven't done it yet. Potential is how far you can go, but you haven't gone there yet. Potential is what you can accomplish, but you haven't accomplished it yet. Potential is never what you've done. Potential is what you could do, but you haven't done it yet. You see, if you've already done something, God's not interested. 
Because God's a God of potential. So the minute you accomplish something, God gets bored and says, all right, let's do something else. Look at Hebrews 11 and verse 6. The Bible says, but without faith, it is impossible to please God. You cannot please God without faith. Then in Romans 14, 23, the Bible says, for whatever is not from faith is sin. You see, if I've already done something, if I've already accomplished something, if I've already proven I can do it, then I don't need faith to do it again. And the indictment of the church today is that for most of the people, we sit comfortably after some form of accomplishment or some form of achievement, and we sit back and we think that we're pleasing God, and God is saying, I am bored sick. Because you're living this lifestyle as a, as a minister, as a businessman, as a parent, as a spouse, totally comfortable because you don't need faith to get through your daily life routine anymore. You're simply doing each day what you have already proven you can do. And for some of you, you got to get to the point where you let God terrify you with challenges he wants you to accomplish in your life. Not talking about a foolish lifestyle, but talking about a life on the edge, a life living in faith, a life walking with God. See, some of you this morning, your worst enemy is not the devil. Your worst enemy is your comfort. And God is saying, without faith, you can't please me. And I know people say, well, we're limited. You don't understand. There's limits on us. But the problem for most of you is you're living with the wrong limits. See, you're living with the limits that parents put on you. You're living with the limits that teachers put on you. You're living with the limits that society puts on you. See, you're walking around saying, I can't be great because this or because I'm limited, because I'm, I'm the wrong color. I've got the wrong last name. I don't have the education. I don't have enough money in the bank. I, and you've got all these limits that you're placing on yourself. But the reality is there are only two limits on each and every one of you. Two. That's it. There are two limits, and they are the limits that God places on you. And I know we like to say, well, God, we can do the impossible, and that's true. But the Bible also puts limits on you as believers. God has limited you. And let me explain the limitations you have as believers. This is the limits that God places on every single one of you. Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 20. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask and even what we think. Those are your limits. Number one, what you're asking for. And number two, what are you thinking? What are you believing? What are you dreaming for? See, the Bible says the power of an almighty and omnipotent God lives inside of me. So why on earth do I want to go through life like a little ant when God has put this gigantic power inside of me? He said you are limited by what you ask and you are limited by what you dream. Which means no matter how hot you think you are, how cool you think you are, how great you think you are, God is saying you haven't seen anything yet. I am able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that you ask and all that you think. You know what the problem with the church today is? You know what our biggest problem in the church today is? We think too small. That's our biggest problem. We think 
too small. We ask too small. So I would love for Coastline to be the first church that God has to discipline, that God has to, to rebuke because we're asking for too much. We're dreaming too big. And God looks down from heaven and say, who in the world do you think I am, God? But I know I'm safe because it's never happened. God never rebuked Israel for asking for too much or for wanting too much or for dreaming too big. It was always you little, shallow-minded, pitiful, grasshopper-thinking people. God is saying, I am depressed that you won't have any faith. You won't have any boldness. You won't ask anything great out of me. See, some of you are making God mad right now, and it has nothing to do with sin in your life. It's because you're thinking like a little runt. You're walking around, oh, I'm just a filthy rag. God can't use me. Look at me. I'm just, you know, if I can just slide into heaven, it'll be enough. I'm not going to ask anything big out of God. He, he's already done enough just by saving me. And you're walking around with this attitude, with this mentality that I'm so unholy, I'm so unrighteous, I'm so unworthy. I'm just a filthy rag, I'm just a worm, I'm just, just, just a dog, just give me the crumbs from the table. I mean, no, there's a lot of belie- believers that live that way, that act that way. You try to say, great job, oh brother, I'm unworthy. Don't even know how to say thank you. See, you know what that is? You know what, you know, you know what that really, when people walk around saying, I'm so unholy, I'm so unworthy, I'm so, un-, you know what that is? That is the height of arrogance. That is the height of pride. Because what you're doing by saying you're unworthy, what you're doing by saying you're unholy, what you're doing by walking around claiming to be unrighteous is you're saying that your opinion about your life is greater than what this book says about you. You're actually placing yourself above God. And that's what arrogance and pride is. What true humility is when you humble yourself, when you you want to walk in humility, you have to submit yourself to the word of God. If you want to walk in humility, if you want to humble yourself, you got to place yourself under God's word. If this book says I'm holy, then if I say anything else, I'm saying this book is wrong. If I feel anything else, I'm saying this book is wrong. See, if you want to walk in humility, if this book says I'm holy, and this book says I'm righteous, and this book says I'm worthy, and this book says greater is in me than he that is in the world, and if this book says I'm the head and not the tail, if this book says I am a son and not a slave, if this book says I am a joint heir with Christ, I am righteous with Christ, not because of anything I've done. Don't misunderstand me. It's not because of my efforts or my works. It's because of what he did on the cross. When he died on the cross, he made me worthy. He made me righteous. He made me holy so that one day when I stood before God, I'm standing before God in righteousness and holiness. Why? Because this book says it. And for some of you, you got to start walking in humility. you got to stop saying over yourself Something that's completely contradicting what God is saying about you. If God is saying you are loved and you are accepted and you are worthy and you are righteous, if you say or feel anything else about yourself, you're saying that your opinion about your life is greater than what God said about you.
And for some of us, it's time that we start walking in humility. It's time that we step up and we understand what God is trying to speak and God is trying to say to us. See, God is trying to capture our thoughts. God is not pleased or impressed with what I've built. God is looking at what I haven't built yet. So let me say something. Stop bragging about what you've done because God is a God of potential. And the greatest enemy of success is my last success. Think about it. Nothing stops progress like success. You see, someone achieves something, they throw a party, they camp out, and they stop progressing. They stop moving forward. And God is not impressed with what we've done because God knows there's more inside of you. There is more inside of you. If you're still alive today, if you still have a heartbeat, if you still have a breath, it means God still has things inside of you that he's trying to get out of you. Never measure your life by people's opinion about me or about you. Life is to be performed before an audience of one. So no matter how many people cheer for you, how many people like you, how many people clap for you, how many people love you, you watch Jesus. If he isn't clapping, I'm a failure. Because he's the only one I was born to please. He was the only one I was born to serve. And so until Jesus stands up and shouts, well done, you keep moving, you keep fighting, you keep growing, you keep building. People all the time, they say, man, God's done incredible things at Coastline. He has. But let me tell you something. You haven't seen anything yet. God's a God of potential. God has hidden power in this church that has not yet been seen yet, that has not yet been discovered yet, that has not been used yet. We've done a lot, but God is saying, I've got so much more for you. Don't stop. Don't camp. Don't uh, just keep moving forward. See, I know what God has shown me. And I know today that some of you have limited yourself. There is a lot more that God has hidden in you that you're not living out right now. And my fear in life is not dying or being killed. My terror as a follower of Jesus Christ is that I might die too quickly when God's not finished with me yet. When there's still more inside of me. See, I want to die empty. I don't want to die when I know I could have done more. I want to die empty. I want to wring it all out. I want to leave it all on the field so that when I cross the finish line, I know I did everything God called me to do. I didn't leave anything undone. See, I want the dream of my life fulfilled. I want the purpose of my life fulfilled. I don't want it buried in a cemetery somewhere. And that's a great confidence builder to know that I don't have to die until I'm finished. See, most people, they're competing with each other instead of completing their assignment. And you don't have to die. to your, and People tried to kill Paul. They tried to kill Jesus. They were never worried about it. Why? Because they weren't finished. And it wasn't until they were finished that Paul said, I have finished the race. I have kept my faith. See, let me, let me explain something to you. You will get miserable if you are satisfied with mediocrity in your life. To be satisfied with mediocrity is failure. This may shock you this morning, but God did not give birth to you for you to be normal. Normal people gag me. It's like kissing your sister. There's just no thrill to it at all. Is that really all you wanted out of your life? 
So I don't think that's God's purpose and God's will for you. You were born unique. You weren't born to fit in. You were born to stand out. And potential is not what you've done. So don't get excited about what is. Get excited about what can be. God is a God of potential. I know I'm getting excited this morning, but you don't know how. I'm sorry. I'm just sick. I am sick of Christians that live beneath their dignity. Christians that aren't walking in the power that God has given them to walk in. Christians that are just cruising through life, normal, boring existence. That is not what God created you for. God says, I am omnipotent. What does that word mean? Omni means all or always all. The word potent means power, might, strength, energy. And only one person ever got this word, and it was God. God is all-powerful. God is always full of power. So if that is God, then all that God has done is not all that God can do. Potential is what you could do, but you haven't done it yet. And since we're creatures of potential, that means you can't throw anybody away. You can't discount anybody. You have no idea who you're sitting next to today. You have no idea what God has hidden inside of the person sitting right next to you. You have no idea what God is trying to get out of them. There was a young man in Bible college years ago. Wasn't very good preacher, wasn't very good in the ministry. And in fact, the president of his Bible college called this young man in the office one day and said, you need to drop out of college. You will never make it as a preacher. You are a failure. You'll never make it in the ministry. Well, that young man's name was Billy Graham. See, you have no idea who's sitting next to you. God is an expert in garbage collection. God is the ultimate trash man. Humanity will throw somebody away, but God will take them home. Why? Because God knows what he put inside of him. God knows what he has hidden inside of each and every person. And Calvary was the greatest salvage operation in the history of mankind. Those of us that deserve death and damnation, those of us that were an abomination before God, God died to save us. God didn't die because he felt like doing something good. He died because of the investment he has inside of you. What you are carrying around inside of you right now was more important than his death. So he died to secure the vision you were born to fulfill. God didn't die so you could simply go to heaven or why else would he leave you here? See, if the goal was to get you to heaven, as soon as you accepted Christ, he'd kill you and take you home. But God left you on earth. Why? Because you have a purpose. There is a reason. There is something inside of you God's trying to get out of you. You were born to do something. You need to determine today, yeah, I'm going to die one day, but I'm going to die empty. Jesus said, I finished the work you've called me to do. And when Jesus said, it is finished, then and only then did he die. I hear people saying all the time, I don't know why God spared me. I don't know why God kept me alive. I do. Because he's got something inside of you. You lived when other people died. Why? Because he has something inside of you that you haven't done yet. And he's trying to get it out of you. 
So no matter how wretched you feel, how terrible you feel, you may be the person today that says, doesn't matter. God will never accept me. God will never love me. God will never take me back. But the reality is if you are here this morning and you have a breath in your body and you have a heartbeat, it's because God has something for you. God is not finished with you yet. God loves you. He has a plan for your life. Potential is God's gift to you. What you do with it is your gift to God. Do you hear me? Potential is God's gift to you. What you do with that potential is your gift to God. You have to understand who you are today. I'll close with this story. If we can have the team come up as we begin to close this morning. It's one of my favorite stories. and My wife hates this story because she's heard me tell it a million times. But I love this story. A few years ago, I was in South Africa, and they told me a story about a farmer in South Africa. And I don't know why this farmer did this, but for some reason, this farmer had a compulsion. Maybe it was an addiction. I don't know what kind of twisted need it was, but the farmer wanted to raise poodle dogs. Now, I don't know if you know anything about poodle dogs, but they're the ugliest dogs ever created. They are foo-foo with the ribbons. and I mean, if you're going to give me a dog, give me a pit bull. Give me a Doberman. I mean, give me something mean. I mean, don't give me no poodle. Every time I see a poodle dog, I just want to drop kick him like a football. I'm sorry. If you have a poodle, I will not kick your dog, I promise. I will restrain myself. But if you're going to give me a dog, give me something that can fight. I don't want a little sissy-looking poodle dog. So this farmer's raising poodle dogs. There was a tribe of lions that were traveling across the land. And a baby lion got separated from his family and lost and wound up on the farmer's land. The farmer didn't know what to do with this baby lion, so he decided to raise this lion with the poodle dogs. This baby lion grew up with the poodle dogs, lived with the poodle dogs, ate with the poodle dogs. I mean, every time the farmer yelled and the the poodle dogs would shake in fear, the baby lion learned to shake in fear. Every time the farmer would roll up the newspaper to smack one of them and they would run, the baby lion learned to run. Every time the pit bull next door began to bark and the poodle dogs would run for their life, the baby lion learned to run for his life. But something happened. The baby lion grew up. No longer was he a baby lion. But now... He was this mighty, roaring, powerful lion. Wasn't a baby anymore. He had now all the strength, all the features, all the capabilities, all the dynamics of this mighty, roaring, powerful lion. But he had one problem. He still had the brain of a poodle dog. He didn't realize every time the farmer barked, one roar from his lungs would send the farmer running for his life. He didn't realize when the farmer rolled up the newspaper, he could shred the newspaper with his claws. He didn't understand that when that pit bull next door began to bark, he could eat the pit bull for lunch if he wanted to. He had all the features, all the capabilities, all the strength, all the dynamics of a mighty, roaring, powerful lion, but he had the brain of a poodle dog. And friends, I'm sad to say, but that is exactly the way Satan has raised most of us in the church today. Most Christians are walking around 
with all of the strength, all of the features, all of the capabilities of mighty, roaring, powerful lions. But Satan has raised us with this poodle dog mentality. Every problem that comes our way, every trial that comes our way, every issue that comes our way, we run in fear, we hide, we cower, not realizing that greater is in me than he that is in the world, that I am the head and not the tail. I am above and not beneath. The power of God is inside of me. He's given me the gift of faith. He's given me the gift of power. He's given me the ability to pray. The Bible says, call to me and I will answer you and yet we cower why because we've got these poodle dog mentalities in the church when God has created us as lions God has gifted us as lions you could have been Christian for two weeks it doesn't matter you're a lion doesn't matter God has given you all of the abilities all you just read God's word and see who God made you to be see the power that God has for each and every single one of you and I know I'm fired up this morning but somebody needs to hear this somebody needs to know there is something inside of you that you haven't gotten out yet there's potential in each and every one of you 2010 may have been wonderful but God has something new for you in 2011 God has something bigger for you coming and it's time that we as Christians and it's time that we as believers begin to stand up and walk in the authority God has given us to walk in walk in the power that God has given us to walk in begin to realize that God has created us as lions. There is power and life inside each and every one of us. It's time, church. God's given us a great vision for the next year. God's given us things to accomplish. There are people that are depending on us. And why am I so passionate about this message? Because you got to understand it's heaven or hell. It's life or death out there. You may look at yourself as just this insignificant person among six billion, but you got to realize people are depending on you. And whether or not you get the potential in you out, there are people on their way to heaven or on their way to hell based on you. People that will never hear my voice, they'll never see my face. And if you don't make a difference, they won't be saved. They won't be changed. So I'm passionate this morning. Why? Because there's people dying and on their way to hell if we don't get the potential in us out. If we don't start living like lions and get rid of this poodle dog thinking, there are people depending on this church to reach them. There are people in this community depending on us to love them and help them and serve them and make a difference in their life. And it starts by us becoming lions, us beginning to realize the power that's it's like what Paul talked about with the church of Ephesus in Ephesians 1 he didn't say I pray that you'll receive power Paul said I pray that you will realize the power that is already inside you the power is already there you're not going to get any more power it's already in you what you got to do is pull it out bow your heads and close your eyes with me this morning I know this message has been different I know I got a little fired up today and I don't apologize for it. Some of you needed it. Get a good kick in the butt. So you can get rid of that poodle dog thinking that you've been carrying around. 
Before I go any further, let me just ask, is there anyone in the room that needs to be a Christian? It's not going to take a long. You know who you are. You either have never said yes to Jesus Christ and you know it, or maybe years ago you said yes to him and you walked away and today you're living without him. If you're in any one of those situations with every eye closed and no one looking around, if you want me to pray for you, just raise your hand quickly. Raise your hand all over the room right now. Thank you. Thank you. Raise your hand. Who else? Thank you. Thank you. Put your hands down. Those of you that raised your hand, I commend you. You made a powerful decision today by saying, I need Christ. I need to live for him. Just say with me, everyone in the room, say, dear Jesus, thank you for saving me. Giving me this chance to live my life for you. Forgive me. You are my Savior, and you are my Lord, in the name of Jesus. And I want to take one more time. I'm not going to call you forward this morning, but before we leave, those of you that have struggled with, you know, as funny as it sounds, but those of you that have struggled with poodle dog thinking, that's the way Satan has raised you. Maybe you've just been in churches your whole life that never talked about the power that's in the Bible that's available for you to walk in. I don't know what it is. Maybe you just never really believed it was for you. Maybe you thought it was for somebody else. But for whatever reason, you've never decided to be the lion that God created you to be. And I know it sounds funny, but you know who you are. And as we close, the worship team is going to sing. Those of you that want to just break off that poodle dog mentality off of your life, and you want to begin to understand the power that is inside of you, begin to realize that God created you to be lions. I just want you to stand up, and I'm going to pray for you. Just stand up right now if that's you. All over the room, thank you. Just begin to stand all over, thank you. Just begin to stand all over. Father, in the name of Jesus, as we close today, God, I pray right now, God, that you would begin to give each and every one of these people standing revelation to the word of God that they will get in your word this week. They'll begin to read and discover who they are. God, that you will begin to show them who you've created them to be. Show them the power, the goodness, the love that you have for each and every one of them. Show them the faith that you've given the ability to walk in, God, faith that can say to this mountain, be thou removed, and that mountain will be thrown into the sea. Give them that type of faith. There are people depending on them, God. It is heaven or hell, life or death, God. So right now, let us as a church begin to understand that you have called us to be a lion in this community. You don't need any more poodle dog churches with poodle dog thinking, God. You need some lions to stand up and roar for what is right. So I pray blessing on every single person, God. Bless our future, God. Bless the vision you've given us, Lord. Let us stand up in power and make a change and make a difference in this community for you. Everyone just stand up with me. We're going to close in one song. Let's sing Mighty to Save to close with. I think it's appropriate. As we close this morning. And everyone needs compassion, a love that's never failing. Let mercy fall on me. And everyone needs forgiveness. 
the kindness of a Savior, the hope of nations. You give us says the power that raised Christ Jesus from the dead is alive and at work in you. 
think about that just for a moment. How much power would it take to take a man who has been beaten, tortured, unbearably, dead for three days in a tomb, and then a power touches that man's body and brings him back to life. And the Bible says that same power that brought Christ Jesus back from the dead is alive and at work in every single one of you. Take some time today. Take five, ten minutes and just meditate on that thought. The power that raised Christ Jesus from the dead is alive and inside of you. And ask yourself, are you living like it? Are you living like the power that raised Christ Jesus from the dead is inside of you? Bless you. Have a great week. We will see you in 2011.